Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. Good morning, North Liberty. I bring greetings from Lakeshore Christian Church and from all the churches that all our brothers and sisters are attending this morning, our family camp out at uh, good old Michiana Christian Camp. And... uh, just honored to be here with you this morning um, to just bring a message from the Lord. And um, just want to say that uh, the ministry that your church has continued to do goes throughout generations. And I want to challenge us this morning to kind of think bigger view um, this morning. And uh, if, uh, if you knew me, we do this a lot at camp and a lot of, in our youth ministries and our children's ministries and even some of our college and small groups from time to time um, at Lakeshore and at the camp. And, and we do this if you knew me. And if you knew me, uh, you would know that I, I'm a person of passion, and you would know uh, that I know what I like and what I don't like. Um, and so uh, I want to ask you a question, and then I'm going to share a little bit um, uh, of just my experience with it. And the question is this for you this morning. Um, what draws you to someone or something? Okay? What draws you to someone or something? Um, I look back over my life and I think about the different places I've gone, the people I've hung with, the activities that um, I have been a part of. Um, and, and I could tell you that I knew exactly when I wanted to be a part of something. I knew exactly who I wanted to be with, all the way from a child all the way to an adult. That is one thing I definitely know. I don't know a lot of things, but I do know what I like and who I like and, and who I want to be around. And I have tried throughout my life to connect that with how God would lead me. Who does God want in my life? And, and what is God drawing me to? Such as example of yesterday. There was no doubt in my mind what my day was going to look like. I was going to do absolutely nothing. Why? College football's back. Okay? And so I found myself uh, thinking of all the things I should be doing and did not do. Because I knew where I wanted to be. I knew who I wanted to be with, and I knew what I was being drawn to. And I was being drawn to that beautiful thing called TV with all the college games on and all the food at my disposal. Um, I didn't want to go to the stadiums. I wanted to be home in my chair, in my living room, with my wife, my family, all of those comfort of things. What I did not want to do is have to be put through a ball game that caused me stress. I have no nails left. I have chewed them all. All I have to say is, go Irish. That's all I got to say. Let's pray. No, just kidding. Um, but I knew where I wanted to be. I, 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 can, I can go back to, the, I knew what I wanted to play sport-wise when I was in high school. And I, and I knew, you know, I knew, uh, you know, in that, in that teenage years, you know, the girls you wanted to date, I, I knew, okay? The guys I wanted to hang that were part of my posse or part of my, my social club, I knew who I wanted to be with. Um, I was taught right and wrong, so I knew what I should do and shouldn't do. And then my brothers taught me how to be good at not showing the things that I shouldn't have been doing, and, and I knew how to do that. 
and, and, and all these different things in life. I, I, I knew the activities I wanted to be a part of. One of the things that I remember being drawn to, uh, my wife and I had an opportunity um, a, a few years ago, it's been a while, but I remember a concert that I had seen on the campus of Michigan State University in the Breslin Center. I got a chance to see Stephen Curtis Chapman. Okay, now I'm dating myself. For all those who don't know who they are, uh, who that is, just nod your head and act like you know who they are and make me feel better, okay? They were on tour with Audio Adrenaline, okay, back in the day. One of my favorite concerts. I was drawn to that, and what was awesome about it was it kept me, it not only drew me to that concert, I not only drew, came into the stadium, got to be a part of that whole experience, but you know what? It kept me there. So my second question is beyond what draws you to someone or something? Second question is this, what keeps you there? What keeps you there at that place or at that event? What keeps you with that person or people? Because see, we, we, are, cre we are creatures who have absolutely um, been designed to have passion. And the Lord uh, designed us to be passionate about him first and foremost, and then from that, all the other passions come. I think of sporting events, achievements, and concerts, and all these different things. Food. If you knew me, okay, I have this, this, I have this little game with some people at Lakeshore. I got challenged a while back. Uh, if you knew me, you know that I love pie. Absolutely love pie. And so I got challenged by some friends at Lakeshore who said, I challenge you to try and fit pie in every time you speak or every time you do a lesson. Well, there's my fitting right in there, okay? If you knew me, I'm drawn to pie. And I've had people come up, uh, come up and, and ask me, and this is a really strange question for me. And they've come on up and said, well, what kind of pie? And I just give them this look. What do you mean, what kind of pie? All kinds of pie. I mean, if you like pie, you like pie, okay? Now, cherry and peach and blueberry and blackberry and, and root, strawberry rhubarb and, and pecan and pumpkin and apple and all these things, I'm drawn to that. You tell me you got a homemade pie, you're gonna have a house guest, okay? I love pie. I'm passionate about that. I'm drawn to that. What draws you? What keeps you? The hot act is in town. The hot act is in town. I'm gonna to challenge you, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, I'm gonna have you flip to Matthew 5. We're gonna actually, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about the back end of four, we're gonna talk at the beginning of five, okay? Matthew chapter five. Beginning of that and just the, the end of four, and that's where we're gonna kind of camp out a little bit here this morning. The hot act is in town, and it's Jesus. I'm setting a scene for you right now. This is at the beginning of what we know of as the Sermon on the Mount. And over three chapters, we have referred to this, anyone growing up in church, and even if you haven't grown up in church, and this is all brand new to you, one of the things that you real come to realize is that this section is called the Sermon on the Mount, because they were on a hillside, they were on an elevation change, and Jesus has this message that he shares. And so Jesus Christ is the new hot act in town. He's on the scene, and his popularity is growing. Momentum is building. People are coming from all over the place to come and hear him and to see him and just get an idea of who this guy is. Um, you've got Jesus. You've got his closest friends. You've got people who are close to his closest friends. You've got acquaintances, and then you just got that back crowd. All are in this, this scene. They have traveled far distances. Some have come and been with him from the very beginning. Some have just joined him just recently, and they are, they are moving to this particular moment. They've traveled far. They've visited places. They've visited people. 
Some have been called specifically by Jesus himself, and some have attached themselves to this parade event, okay, to this parade event of this hot act. I like it. It looks good. I'm going to attach myself to this, and I'm going to, I'm going to follow this parade a little bit, see where it goes, see what it's all about. Things have been done. Jesus has been doing things on an epic level that people have never seen before. It's beyond imagination. It's beyond explanation. Who is this guy, and what is he doing? All of this is happening. Activity, scuttlebutt, murmurings. The start of all the many tales are beginning to happen. That's what we've got in this moment. All of this is happening. They're traveling, they're journeying, and then suddenly Jesus stops he looks, and he repositions. Father, I'm just going to ask you, uh, just in this moment here, Lord, please, I, I, I pray you bring us to this hillside. I pray you bring us and put us there in this moment. Speak the truth to us this morning. And Father, my hope is that we would have a fresh revelation of who you are and who we are to be. And I pray this in your son's name, Jesus, amen. Matthew 5, uh, or Matthew 4, 25, 5, 1 and 2. We're going to read this in a moment. He stops, he looks, and he repositions. This is what happens. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea and from the east of the Jordan River. And then 5, 1. One day he saw the crowds gathering. Jesus went up on the mountainside. He sat down, and his disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. I believe this is the most important part of the entire Sermon on the Mount. Now, it's not full of as much content as what you will see in the next three chapters. If you were to continue reading, you go on today, and you say, hey, I'm just going to read this and you know, take 15, 20 minutes and just read it all concentratively. Okay? As you do this, all of that's great and good, but everything that he says, everything that he does, and even beyond this moment here in the Sermon on the Mount, throughout all the Gospels in his entire 33 years on this planet, it is set up by this moment right here. Now, I want us, I, I want to challenge you, I want you to be in this moment. Okay? My hope is that we're in this moment, and my hope um, and goal is that we would understand what is happening here. You see, Jesus stops all this ep epic activity because he sees. And I want to just hang here for a second. In all that's happening, this, this, what you and I, this parade moment, this, this epic, epic things he's saying and he's doing all of this. And, and there's a cool factor to Jesus. And we have that today too. There's a lot of people hitching their bandwagon and, and claiming that they love Jesus because he's cool and he's new and he's different. Okay, but here's the reality. That wasn't who he was really. And that wasn't sure wasn't what it was about. And one of the things I really appreciate about my king is this, is he sees us. He's not so hierarchy and so divine that he doesn't understand his own children. He stopped the activity because he saw the people don't lose sight of this. He saw the people. This busy man, this epic minister, this epic uh, activity facilitator, miracles and healings and gatherings. And I mean, no one had ever seen this, but, but, but yet he stops and he sees his people, a.k.a. he sees the need. He saw them gathering 
and he knew they needed more than just a parade. You see, this is the model of Jesus. What he does, he sees people and he meets the needs and he calls us to have our needs met. He's the one who died, uh, died on the cross for us. He rose from the grave. He did all that great, that, that big umbrella stuff. But the one who is the Lord and Savior is also the one who walks with us each and every day as well. Don't let the epic levels of Jesus make the personal side mundane to you. Don't let Satan do that to you. You see, the model of Jesus is to see people's needs, meeting them where they're at, and he calls them to himself. You see, what happens is he's going along and he stops on this hillside, right? This, this mountain, this elevation change, and he, and, he, and he stops and he looks at the people because he's really, really good at that because he wants to meet us there. And you know what else he does? The, he continues to stop it, the epic activity going on and he sits everybody down. Now, you can sit there and say, dude, where are you going with this? If I told you he sees you, and if I told you he would want to spend time with you enough where he, he would stop and sit you down, if I ended right there, would that be enough for you? Would it be enough to know that your Savior will stop, see you, and sit you down when needed? Is that enough for you? Or do we need more? Do we need the cotton candy? Do we need the bling bling? Does that have to be part of this for you and I to have a walk with the Lord appropriate? Because here's the deal. Every one of us has got to kind of face this. There were people hanging on his Hang on, his every word because of how he was saying it and, and, and those miracles, woo, all of this stuff that had even happened. And folks, we're just at the very beginning of his ministry. And already we have a parade event going on. There's an epicness to this. What he was interested in that particular day before he said anything else was I'm gonna show my children I want to be with them and I want them to be with me. You see, after these chapters, after he um, stops the ep epic activity because he sees, and after he stops the epic activity by sitting them down, what's going to happen after that is he's going to unpack the rest of what it, it looks like to be a kingdom follower. In essence, Jesus created this mountainside training session, and he's on this hillside. And he's going to tell us, and them back then, everything, uh, habits and characteristics and what it looks like to live out kingdom citizenship. What you and I are to be and what you and I are to do. He stopped the activity because it wasn't about the activity. Jesus made the moment about him, drawing closer to him. He needed the people to realize that it wasn't about the shock value of things. We are a culture who, and to be honest with you, there's, there's times I think this, and I, you know, how are we not insulted, frankly? How are we not insulted by our culture because they think we're idiots? I mean, think about how they sell you things. Think about how they get you trapped into stuff and then change it the next day. Today's, today's value is tomorrow's junk, and just like that. Satan knows what he's doing. And over the years, I have seen the church dwindle in its power by choice, not because we don't have it. We have it. We just sing songs about how powerful we are in the Lord. But the problem is, is we get so caught up in the shock value of things, the bling bling, the goodies of life, 
instead of realizing that where we are to be postured, where we are to be positioned, is in the goodness of God, not the goodies of our culture. And here Jesus says, stop! We need to talk. Because I need to lay it on the line here, and I need to kind of exemplify what, what this is really about. It's not about the shock value. It's not about my miracles. It's not about my healings. It's about me, you and me. Because the miracles and healings only have the substance and only are defined through Jesus. You can't separate the two. On this mountainside slope, Jesus creates this drawing moment which becomes the launch pad and foundation for the spiritual truths that he's not gonna unpack the rest of these three chapters. There's gonna be many Many in that day, they applied the truths, they followed Jesus, and they became more like him, okay? But many in that day, they rejected him, they didn't listen to him, they didn't like what he had to say, and they became more like the culture, and I see no, nothing different than today. There's people who finally understand, and they make the effort, and they align themselves with Jesus, and they become more like Jesus, and they understand that it's not just about the activity, but it's about him. But there are so many that are on this side over here, we've got ourselves, well, we're, you know, we're, we're going to attach ourselves to something different. Okay, that's fine. Attach yourself to something different. Don't make it about him. Make it about the activity, but I'm going to tell you one day, that activity runs out. Somewhere along the line, it's going to stop. Then what you got? You and I know we can walk down the street, our neighbors, our close friends, and, and have conversation with them. And conversation will somehow along the line come to the drama and trauma that we have in our life. And I'm going to tell you, somewhere along the line, in all that drama and trauma, whether it's self-induced or not, somewhere along the line, you know what happened? You and I stopped being with him and drawing near to him and made it about us and everything else. It cannot sustain Jesus knew this. He stopped that crowd and he had a very personal, intimate moment with them. He didn't teach in the moment because there was a need for school. He wasn't looking for academic approaches, no. He connected in that moment because he wanted his people to stop following the parade and start being equipped for true discipleship. And he unpacks that over the next few, uh, few chapters. But get this. This isn't the only time that he stops the crowd. It's not the only time do we have this moment where he stops and he sees and he addresses it. In Luke 14, if you got your Bibles, go there, 25 to 33, we're gonna read this in a minute. There is a moment later in his life where he stops the people, but folks, he stops them for a different purpose. He actually stops in this moment he turns in this moment, and he looks right at the people in this moment. Woo! And this is what he says. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around, and he said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, your wife, and your children, brothers and sisters, just even your own life. He's not saying you hate them. What he's saying is, in comparison to him, they fall down the list. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if, and if you do not carry your own cross and you follow me, and you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who could begin the construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it, right? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. No one likes to be laughed at. 
they would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. <laughs> or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down and counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he'll send a delegation and he'll discuss terms of peace while the enemy's still far away. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. There is something about when Jesus stops and notices his people and then he addresses them. Because when the, <laughs> let's be honest here, when the king of kings stops what he's doing to address his people, church, I'm gonna give you a little warning. Might be good for us to, to maybe pay attention when Jesus speaks and when Jesus addresses. What I love about this text, this is a very, very, um, both of these are, are, are just shaping for me. They have moved me the more I spend time on them. Because you have the intimacy of a savior and a king and the creator of the world wanting to spend time with me. And then you have him willing to have those hard moments with me when it needed. And in Luke 14, he doesn't just say that I need to be your number one love, but he also says, oh, by the way, you need to carry your cross and everything else is less priority than me. Jesus, he wasn't a rocket scientist. He was very simple, upfront, and very real with his people. You see, at the hillside chat, Jesus sees, and he stops, and he sits the people down. Here in this, you know what I'm gonna call this? I'm gonna call this the woodshed moment. At the woodshed moment, Jesus sees, he stops, and he confronts. Where are you at today? Where's your location? Are you at the hillside where you're drawing near to him, becoming more like him? You're listening to him, and it's more than just all the cool activity. It's about him and his heart and his mind for you. Where the growth is happening, where, where, where you can honestly look at yourself in the mirror the next morning and say, I'm a little closer to being like him. I did some things that maybe influenced some people and did some good. Or are we in a moment where it's a woodshed moment? Where Jesus had to confront you. He had to stop you. He had to say, whoa, 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 slow down here, slow down here. It's about me. I need to check your priorities. I need you to think about who is your Lord and Savior. Who is your first love? Because if you're not gonna make it me, then we, you need to get off this parade. Because I, I'm not leading a parade. I'm leading the revolution. Where are you in this? You see, and I'll go on to admit, as a, as a son who had many woodshed moments with his father, okay? <laughs> not all woodshed moments are bad. But what I like about this, and maybe we need the woodshed moment. I, I'm gonna be real honest with you as a guest speaker because I don't have to come back next Sunday and deal with y'all. <laughs> Folks, the church, hello, we need a woodshed moment. I'm going to even be franker. We need our butts whooped. Why? Because it's not about us. We are not to live life for us. Your breath, the next breath you take, isn't even for you. It is 
for him because in that next breath you have the chance to utter the truth. You have the next physicality ability to be able to do something and influence. Everything you are, everything you have, every place you go, all the things you are drawn to, all the things that keep you is given to you by your Father in heaven and it is for his glory. Everything you and I are and do is to be for him. So if we need a woodshed moment, church, we gotta rise up, we gotta be who we need to be. And not do it with flash and bling bling, do it with simplicity of the gospel message. Jesus loves all, he died for all, grace is sufficient for all. And now, what's also awesome about Jesus is I can have a woodshed moment if I need to, and then I can come right on over here after the woodshed moment, and I could sit down on the hillside chat with him because my Savior's in both places. <laughs> a hillside spot on a mountain where the elevation changes in the middle of nowhere in the Middle East. And the hot act in town changes the agenda. People walked away, some with some clarity. People walked away that day saying, I'm out, I'm done. That hillside chat, some people weren't even there for the woodshed moment. And some were. Where are you at? Where are you at in your faith? Do not let the enemy take that intimacy of your Savior away from you. Draw near to him. As, as you come out of a series where you were dealing with the whys, why this and why that, why do we do what we do and why are we who we are, and you're heading into a series now where you're going to talk about Jesus, <laughs> there's a Franklin, right? You're going to talk about who he is and people who encountered him. I hope this is a bridge for you. In this moment, before he is even any further into his ministry, he sits his people down and explains what it is to be a kingdom citizen. Do not be caught having to have the woodshed moment. Folks, church, stay with him on that hillside. If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six, where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.